Introducing the Nexus 360, D'Addario's first rechargeable omnidirectional tuner. Visible at every turn, from any angle, no matter where you wind up. Nexus 360, built for your next stage. This is Chris Keys for From Your Guitar. Today I'm at the Ryman Auditorium with Lake Street Dive. First off, we have Bridget. Bridget, how are you doing? Great. I, if I could sing, I would have jumped in, but you guys have such a marvelous singer in Rachel, I couldn't even do it justice, so I did not even bother. <laughs> Before we get talking gear, which there's a lot of cool things here, we have to, you know, we have to let everyone know we're representing Iowa. That's you, right. Born in Iowa City, I'm born in Dubuque. Hey, we're doing things. Don't judge Iowans. We're good people. <laughs> we love it. Second thing I want to ask you before we do get into gear, because you know when we do these things you want to get some history, get some questions ready for people. I saw on your Wikipedia page that somehow you had a record for the most foam fingers sold at a Boston Red Sox game. Is that true? It's true, yeah, 105 foam fingers. Is that like game. in one game? Yep. What was your stick? Like how did you get the sales? Um, I would sometimes say uh, well, I really like to just like kind of quietly walk to the very bottom of the section uh -huh. and, without showing the foam fingers and then say, wouldn't you rather be cheering with one of these? <laughs> Lift them up. That was one of my sticks. Oh, well, apparently it worked. I wonder if this record still sticks. Someone will tell us if it has still made the test of time. But uh, let's dive into the gear. This is why the folks are here to watch. What should we know about this beautiful, beautiful bass? Um, so this is a bass that I bought from my friend Ben Davis. Uh, he's somebody I went to college with and I was an, an admirer of his bass for a long time and then he was getting rid of it because he was just like playing more electric. Um, so I think it's about 50 years old. It's a carved bass. I don't know much else about it. It was just, I had my eye on it and it became available. And now did it up. Ben have the pickup added to it I imagine or was that something you've had to change or anything like that? Uh, you know, you've had it so long and played so many shows, I'm sure, on it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure when I got it from Ben, he had this David Gage Realist on it, which is not the one that I use, but it's still there. Okay, yeah. and what what pickup do you use then? Uh, so I have two pickups on that I'm using and blending. This is the Fishman Full Circle. Okay. Um, that's kind of the heart of the tone. And then I also have this Pierre Joseph's String okay. Charger, magnetic pickup which I got from my friend Jared Angle. Uh, and so that one kind of gives just a little more of a, you know, since I'm playing in the band with drums and electric guitar and really yeah. need the upright to like cut in a way and not feedback, it's helpful to get some, some juice out of this one to blend with the piezo pickup. Okay. And also this is what I threw, throw any like effects that I use just into this pickup. Okay. So this one stays clean and blend those two tones to to uh, keep this sort of real acoustic sound, yeah. but with some sauce on it. Now, I have, I mean, I barely know anything about bass. I definitely don't know anything about upright bass. So tell me about the strings you're using. And is it like with some bass players, they don't change them for tours, they don't change them for years, they don't change them unless they break. Is that kind of your philosophy? Yeah, I think <laughs> these are, um, uh, Diodario okay. Heliocores, but I haven't changed them in a long time. Yeah. yeah I, I would avoid it if possible. Really? Yeah. Could you guesstimate how long they've probably been on there? Mm, 
don't know, four or five years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, that's kind of specific to this band and like the fact that I want the sound to be a little bit thuddy and dead. And, mm. you know, it's almost like having like flat ones on an electric. Yeah. Like, just getting a sort of slightly muted tone which the strings get better and better at doing that over time what do you like about that i mean maybe it sits in the mix but what is something that you prefer about it um i don't know i just like the way it sounds oh <laughs> i mean that's all it needs yeah, to be right yeah. <laughs> sometimes you don't have to think too hard about that kind yeah, of stuff like yeah. you don't have to overanalyze something like that so before we move on to electrics which is something that's been like increasing in your guys' uh, repertoire and how you use them we should go through the effects because like you said, you have effects that run through this upright, which again is something I did not think I'd ever seen a rig rundown. So tell me about how are you using these pedals and what's going on? Well, so uh, my pedal board is a little bit ridiculous. It, it's composed of four Boss tuning pedals. Let's start there, what's going on? <laughs> uh, so with these two pickup signals that I'm blending, uh, I'm putting each of them into a tuning pedal oh. and a lot of that actually just has to do with muting during the show. Like I need to be able to mute them both at the same time. So these are now like fused together <laughs> uh, by Luke Milanese, one of our um, engineers did that for me a few years ago. So those two uh, are there and help me mute the bass mid show. Okay. This one is um, passive. So that's just on all the time, yeah. which is awesome because, you know, sometimes you're in a room and you can't hear yourself very well and it's an upright bass, so there's no frets. So yeah. you need occasionally to be able to like, okay, this thing will tell me if I'm in tune or not um, while I'm playing the song. And then uh, the, the fourth boss tuning pedal is for my electric bass. Okay. And uh, these other pedals, I've got two uh, pogs here. Yep. And one is just set to a, a low um, a low octave. So that one I use like, for example, in the, the song Good Kisser, um, you know, there's, the, there's no octave on the verse. And then when the chorus hits, it's sort of a big moment in the arrangement. And she goes, tell her I'm a good kisser. It's funny, as she goes high, you go low. Yeah, they're very, <laughs> it's a, very related, those two parts, call and response. Kind yeah. Of. Um, and then the Ibanez Tube Screamer just gives me a little grit for certain songs. Like Tangeray? And, uh... I love that. I a usually, Tube Screamer on a upright bass. Yeah, it, it works surprisingly well. I, yeah. Um, and then I use this high pog sound for solos and for certain, like, melodic lines, so... So that just helps me again, kind of like cut through the other uh, loud instruments on the stage. Yeah, you have a lot to compete with. Now, how are you using the bow? Is that getting used? Like, is the I should ask, is the tube screamer getting used with the bow to help like sustain, or is that no, no pedals? I don't usually use effects on the bow, although maybe I should. I feel like this low octave could be cool. Ooh, very dramatic. Um, yeah, I, I use this for an intro to. Uh, song hypotheticals and usually um, once I finish playing with it Ian is here and I, I toss it to him. <laughs> um, it's, it's a carbon fiber bow so oh, don't worry about it. it. It's, it's, uh, it's strong. 
Yeah. And I see you have DI boxes, so that's there's no amp, so you're going DI out to front of house, and everything's getting controlled that way with the electrics as well. Do you mind showing us off uh, the Hoffner and the, the P-Base here? I'd love to. Awesome. Yeah. Let's maybe start with the Hoffner. I know that probably had the P longer, but the Hoffner to me sticks out because I loved your guys' uh, recreation of the rooftop concert. Thank you. Where you, were, you got to play the Paul part. That was kind of the impetus for getting a Hoffner, actually. Um, we made this video dressed up as the Beatles for Halloween, and I borrowed my friend Scott Kohlberg's Hoffner for that. And, uh, and at the time, like, basically I, I played electric bass in junior high. And then when I got into jazz, I like stopped playing electric bass at yeah. all. And I, I didn't have one for 20 years or so. And then, uh, I just got one like two years ago. So it took me till the age of 35 to be like, I wonder if electric bass could be you know. a cool thing. <laughs> and, uh, and Hofner was sort of my gateway drug into, um, solid body bases. So uh, I started, started with this, which is kind of to me, like, you know, the Hofner is yeah. somewhat similar to upright in, in some of the things that it does well. So yeah, it kind of made sense that that was the first point of entry. Um, this one is a, a relic, so it's actually new. It's, okay. Yeah. But I, I also have a, a 1975, um, uh, one violin bass, the McCartney style, yeah. back in at home. Now, still dipping your toe in the electric scene, what, what, have, what have you enjoyed about using the electric bass on a live setting with a band? Um, well, just getting to know the instrument, like there's so many things that I was doing on Upright that are imitative of electric bass style, Yeah. but I wasn't doing it with by like learning how to do it on electric and then adapting that. I was just kind of doing it with my ears. Like, how can I make that similar sound on this instrument? And yeah. so now I'm kind of like discovering in some ways the origins of that, what I was trying to do on that instrument. Yeah. Um, which has been really cool. And yeah, I've just, I love the range of tone that you can get out of electric basses, like playing close to the, the bridge or playing yeah. up here and playing with a pick, playing with your thumb. Like there's just uh, this whole world of choice yeah. on electric that is like different than upright. A ridiculous question, but I'll go with it. Do the frets mess you up at all? Having such a time where you kind of slide into the notes and the chords, do the frets kind of learning the fretboard? That is a, another fun thing for me. I really just love that sound of like sliding across the frets. Yeah. Um, you know, and I didn't have that before, so it's like something I really delight in. Um, it is like there with upright. There's kind of like this really useful landmark of the the neck being mm. like right around a D. Okay. And so like my mental map of the pitches is very much based on like always being able to go, boom. There's yeah, that. it's home base. There's that position, you know. And with this, it's like it's such a long way to any landmark. Um, so yeah, I do <laughs> yeah. find that I have to like look at the instrument a little more yeah. to, uh, to, you know, see the dots and like know my way around. I can't kind of just, I'm not at a place yet where I can just not be looking at yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Let's, uh, let's learn a little bit about this, uh, P bass over here. Now, when you're going through the night and you are picking up for the electric 
uh, songs, is there a choice that you're making or is like the Hofner versus the P a backup? Or they both get stage time or how's that work for you? This bass is actually new to me and new to the tour. Like I just got it a couple months ago. This is its first tour. Okay. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm just discovering how to use both. Right now I'm just using this one. Okay. It's my new thing and I, and I love it. Um, now what songs are you plugging into an electric bass for? Um, do you have like, I'm sure you guys change set lists, but is there like a well designated our, spot? Yeah, our, our most recent uh, recording was um, this covers record called Fun Machine, the sequel. Yep. And that one I did all on Hofner. Okay. So that one I do mostly those songs live on Hofner too. Um, this one I haven't gotten into the studio with yet, but uh, I'm playing it on a song called Love Doctor that... Okay. Um, is one that we never made a version of but i have on like a solo record and so that one has electric bass on it and uh yeah i don't know just kind of feeling it out you know yeah now you mentioned the hoffner was a relic is this a relic as well or is this an older bass this is a 1975 okay yeah um i picked this up in seattle it's a good story i Let's hear it. Uh, well, so I wanted to go to this particular shop in Seattle because um, John Osborne had a P bass from there that I really loved and mm. he recommended this shop. And I was, we were going through there on tour and so I looked up to find the shop and looked at the listings of what instruments they had and saw this bass and was really excited to check it out. And then I realized that it was actually the wrong shop. It wasn't oh. the one that he recommended. and so. Then I looked up the inventory at that second shop and I went to both stores. I went to this one first and then went to the second one and bought the bass that I found at the second one, which was a 1969 P bass. Oh, nice. Um, but I was kind of like afterwards haunted by not having bought this one. Um, I was, it was just like the one that got away. Staying and up at night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I was found myself back in Seattle a couple months after that and I was like, I wonder if Cooking Outlaws is still there, you <laughs> yeah. know? And uh, and sure enough, it was. So now it's now it's mine. That's awesome. And it came with these stickers on it, which is uh, part of its charm. I, I'm appreciating that you've left them on there for so long. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're not coming off. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bridget, uh, we're going to talk to James here in a minute. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Uh, from one Iowan and another, we'll talk to you guys in a minute. All right. We're over on stage right with James. James, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing, Chris? Real good. Real good. You got a Gibson in your hand, let's just dive right into it. All right, well this is the Gather Around Sounds Tour and so we're doing a lot of acoustic rearrangements of our tunes. Uh, and so we got this songwriter uh, recently for a couple songs we're doing as uh, like a guitar trio essentially. Okay. Uh, and so Calabrese is playing this beautiful uh, songwriter. Nice. And I'll play the J45. Okay. Which has been the general Lake Street acoustic guitar for a long time. Now, are you guys plugging in, you know, using the, a piezo or a preamp, or are you doing like the center around the mic kind of thing where everyone gets around a single mic? We are taking DIs, and I'm sure the mic's getting a little bit of it, but I think the main acoustic sound is coming from the pickup. Got it. Because yeah. I know previously the band had done like shows where they would get around the mic for a lot of the, some, 
like almost like a campfire. We're doing that a lot on this show. Okay. And uh, that DI helps our uh, front of house I guy, bet. Jared, bet. a lot. Um, so yeah, um, those are our two traditional acoustics. Now on a set, James, uh -huh. that you're currently running, how much acoustic electric are you guys playing? Like how much acoustic versus your straight up electric stuff we'll get into in a minute. On this tour, uh, a little over half okay. is acoustic. Uh, but on previous tours, normally it's three to four songs. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's been a fun, it's been really fun. Like yeah. reimagining of the of songs. The yeah. Yeah. Um, this uh, has been a really fun wow. piece. It's one of the rubber bridges um, that they make at Old Style in LA. Um, and so this is like a recreation or is this is an old one that they kind of like gave a new lease on life? Uh, yeah, they took, uh, they take old bodies and uh, they do them with new bodies now too, but um, they take these old bodies and they throw a rubber bridge on them and, uh, and are really good at picking them up. There's a, piezo that we don't use and then there's this pickup which is the money pickup um what is the actual pickup oh i wish i could tell you i wish i could tell you but it's on almost all of their builds okay these days um and what's the store again so people maybe can check it out and they'll know exactly what pickup they're looking for yeah uh well just uh old style in los angeles okay. has created this whole rubber bridge trend and uh, this one is one of their baritones. Uh, so this is low. Actually, this is low B flat right now for no reason at all. <laughs> but it, it's intended to be low B. And generally, we're capoing to standard. Okay. Um, but yeah. Uh, Man. That's been really fun. Um, this guy... Uh, is a Frankenstein project of mine um, that uh, was, um, I, I just, uh, D'Angelico sent this uh, to a friend of mine I was living with actually, uh, and I kind of ended up taking over the guitar. I kind of took to it more than he did. Yeah. Um, and uh, I put a big flats on it and started playing it open and I put a Tysco gold foil in the neck. Um, and it's had a few different, uh, it's had a few different lives, but with Lake Street, uh, it's a slide guitar. Okay. And uh, this is actually tuned to F right now. Interesting. Uh, to get enough tension to play this one song, Hush Money, in particular. Um, and uh, yeah, I think these are flat 14s. Dang. Um, and the slides uh, up here, brass. And the slides up there, yeah, brass, rock slide. Um, and now is that, before you put it mm -hmm. away, is that a true hollow or is that like a semi-hollow? Semi-hollow. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yep. Um, yeah. Shout out to Mike Cornwalls, the collaborator on this one. Nice. Um, and uh, this... Anyways, this is uh, this is the all-purpose Strat. Uh, it's a Wayne's World signature, which brings wow. me a lot of joy. Uh, it's a Japanese Strat from the '80s, I believe. Um, and so I did you get the Wayne's World backplate on there? 
oh, it's it it was made. Oh, well then it must be nineties. Yeah, because I was like, wait. Guess who was born in the nineties? <laughs> Time <Okay>. continuum. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, how'd you get this? That's amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, I do have a. A squire, huh? Yeah, yeah. I do have a leopard print guard in the works. Oh. So that's a snow leopard print guard in the works. So if you. Just... I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know what's gonna happen. Now, how often are you using the the strat? Uh. On this tour, I'm mostly playing this Les Paul that I'll show you in a second, and I'm playing the Strat on a couple tunes. Okay. Uh, the D'Angelico's I played on almost all of the music on our last tours, okay. on our tours last year. Got it. Um, so uh, the other D'Angelico, this is the guitar I played on most of the shows and most of the music uh, last year, uh, and it was just really cool. Um, to check out, I always, I'm a big fan of um, Adrian Lankers, and she has always played this semi-hollow guitar with P90s in it, mm -hmm. and I always thought it was cool to like have the reversal of kind of the normal yeah. archetypes for hollow bodies yeah. instead of humbuckers, and so, uh, yeah, D'Angelico just started making these uh, last year. I think this is number three. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, it was really, have was you really fun to play. I have. With the it's, P90s and the semi-hollow? I have. It just kind of um, is a abnormal character. It just <laughs> yeah. like has, uh, it has a combination of things that you just wouldn't normally find, you know, uh, or like a typical 330 is just such a particular beast. And this is closer to a 335, um, but we'll get the airy, and barky p90 stuff out of it which is fun now i know it has a center block but uh, -huh. uh oliver wood from the wood brothers has a hollow body from like the 60s yeah and he stuffs underwear in there to fight back feedback so i'm wondering with Good the p90s grief. yeah it's a it's a move oliver. uh the p90s but it's do like, you have any issues with the p90s in the the semi-hollow construction uh no Halloween? actually i uh if i really want it uh, the amp I'm using is just a single 10 so, oh, so uh maybe it's a 12 we'll have to look at it but if i really want feedback i can go walk it up to the amplifiers but yeah it, it doesn't really give us any trouble so no undies in there no undies okay. no undies uh That's somebody a... should send oliver some <laughs> towels yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um and uh this is uh Ooh. what i'm playing most on this is what I'm playing all the full band stuff on on this tour, and it's a uh, McDuck remnant, uh, the former guitar player, trumpet yeah. player, founder of the band. Um, and uh, I believe I went to Gibson yesterday, and they told me that it's probably chambered because uh, it's actually pretty light. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a down the middle, no frills, Les it's a Paul. Beautiful top. How about that? Yeah, right. How about that, McDuck? Good choice. Um, yeah. And now, is, I'm sorry to interrupt, uh, James, sure. but is it because uh, some of the newer models have like push pull for like single coil settings, or is this straight humbuckers? Straight humbuckers. Okay. Yeah. It's a beauty. And uh, that's the boat. Well, cool. Let's uh, go check out some amps and pedals. Okay. All right, James. Before we hear about the pedal board and the amp with the Les Paul, kind of like your your go to setting, we have to hear these two other special instruments. 
I call this the plunker. I don't know if it will stick in terms of a name, but let's hear this harmony because it has such a unique sound. Yeah, we mainly play a neighbor song on this, okay. if you know that one. Uh, and it just brings a whole, uh, a whole other world-liness to it. Uh, to the tune. The, the more time I spend next to this instrument, the more things I'm picking up on. The dust on the upper register, the the way that the side of the like the top is almost getting curved. It looks like in my head, just just based on I don't know if it's the angle of the lights, but it, it's a well worn, beautiful <laughs> instrument. It's been through it. It's yeah. been through it. It was. Uh, it's got a lot of stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, if it had. If you saw this in the corner of a room and it had acoustic strings on it, you'd probably assume that it didn't work no. or was beyond saving. Right. Uh, but uh, as this, it works great. It's all contextual when it comes to these things, and that thing does the trick. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we got to hear this D'Angelico first. Oh, okay. With the Tysco. Yes, with the Tysco. James, before we hear this bad boy, uh, is that that's got to be one of those old like '50s Tysco pickups? Do you it, know anything about it? It is. Uh, all I know is uh, when I first moved to Los Angeles, Mason Stoops sold it to me. And old Mason's got the funkiest stuff. Old Mason. So I know that it's certified. I know that it checks out on the deepest of forums, and uh, yeah, it's been a total. It's made this a completely different guitar. Um, I got to do this real quick. I'm sorry, James. Yeah. Mason, everyone, you know, he's a big guy's touring with Jackson Brown, Ma Marcus Mumford. Yeah. Little known fact, internet guys that love Mason because he's a huge, great guitar player. He was an intern for Premier Guitar. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen. He used to post some for us on social videos. media. So if you I'm, see old Mason, ask him about his days as an intern at PG. Oh, we've briefly talked about that. Yeah. But yeah, Mason's a great guy. I'm so a happy you reminded talent. me. Yeah. Yeah, he's an awesome guy. And everything that comes his way, he's de it's deserved. But yeah, yeah, don't get too high on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but let's uh, uh, let's hear more about this D'Angelico and what yeah, he has to say. Um, well, I I have two very different flavors here. I I play. Um, I guess I'll engage our first pedal of the day, which is the color box. Okay. Um, always makes it onto my board somehow. Um, the Humbucker in the bridge is just I just man I just it just works that stings that's <laughs> yeah, good yeah and uh the uh Tysco I use for a much more like kind of um uh, I don't know if I can get there from here, but uh, much sweeter. Uh, yeah, much sweeter. Uh, uh, I played a lot on it. Uh, when we play uh, better than, okay. I use this one wide open, and uh, yeah, it just has a. It picks up. It's very microphonic and picks up a lot of. A lot of strange stuff you know the way uh, i'm hearing it is that this is like a pure breed kind of like you know like a kennel certified the bridge yeah and the neck one's like a mutt like it you know it's, it's yeah. rough around the edges but man it's got character the neck is super rude and <laughs> it's it's good cop bad cop that's 
that's essentially what it is. Now, now that I see it on your finger, what's going on here with this? It looks like tape or... Uh, yeah, I always end up doing this and it doesn't look great, but uh, my finger is just a little too small and I like a tight fit with the, the slide. slide. I, the last thing I want to feel is that it's coming off. Yeah, uh, lands and, in someone's drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And so uh, that just makes it a snug fit. Got it. Um, there's probably a better solution for that. Yeah. But tape is maybe the best solution we have yeah, for right. anything. Anything that people see behind scenes at a rig rundown is uh, a tour's, tape is a tour's best friend. There's tape everywhere. Yeah. Gaff tape, duct tape, you it's name it. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I guess. Um, Take us through kind of the meat and potatoes. Maybe before we hear any more sounds, the Les Paul. Okay. You got the Magnetone here, right? Yes, uh, the Magnetone. And so we switched to this whole uh, Michael Bethencourt design system. Um, Jason Isbell's tech, who's a wizard of uh, electronics. Wizard is the only appropriate word. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, uh, it's centered around the Magnetone. Um, and uh, the Magnetone has been fun. It's kind of a new lane for me i've been a clean fender guy my whole life yeah uh, and the magnetone's kind of got some grit out of the gate which is uh just another way to do it um do you mess around or engage the, 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 the i know they have like the vibrato's going on i absolutely do so okay. uh one of the coolest things about this is that um i have both access to the amp reverb And I have access to uh, the tremolo. Nice. Uh, That's the money right there. That's what Magnetone's about. Yeah, yeah. So that is really cool that I don't really have to lean on uh, pedals for those jobs. Um, and moving through the board, uh, I guess we'll just go top around. Yeah. This guy's new in the circuit. We always have like a octave pedal in the mix. This guy is new to me. It's the Behringer Harmonist, and it's like an old. It's it's uh it's very lo-fi in its tracking and has a lot of um, idiosyncrasies. Yeah, some and, artifacts. Yeah, and. Uh, I friggin' love it. I friggin' love it. Um, and uh, the color box, I talked about. The Flint is doing... Uh, yeah, how's that getting used? Uh, tr like non-magnetone tremolo duties. Got it. And uh, covering all my reverbs. Mm. Um, the EQ pedal is fun. Um, it's a uh, source audio EQ. Those things are deep. It's so deep, and uh, PhD. Yeah, well, uh, its biggest job is uh, we always match the output of the single coils to the humbuckers, okay. and so anytime we put the uh, single coils on, we just have an EQ setting to balance it and keep everything a little more simple. Yeah. Um, but it also uh, sometimes we can crank a little extra juice into the pedals that are down the line. Mm. Um, the deco always makes it onto my board. Uh, it's my favorite slap. And, it's got uh, that tape kind of 
simulation. Yeah, I was uh, I was thrilled uh, last year when uh, the flint in the deco became MIDI accessible. Yeah, I think that changed a lot of uh, a lot of people's years. Um, it definitely changed mine. So um, that we're just starting to program, um, but love that pedal. Love that pedal. The ecosystem is doing all delay duties. I'm not sure what's on right now. Just can't argue with yeah. their, their uh, tape uh, delay sounds. Um, the uh as far as other drives i've got um the morning glory on uh, yeah just pushing a little extra into the amp when i need it um yeah i don't imagine through the set you guys you personally get too too ramped up with dirt and fuzz and gain uh or do you no well kind of what happens is uh by the end of the gig the magnetone is cooking enough yeah. that like it's kind of just all magnetone by the end of the gig. Um, but top of the gig, uh, there's a few moments for it usually. Yeah. Um, and uh, otherwise, uh, and it's also the newer one. It's cool. They have the two times, they have like the extra high gain yeah. setting on it. Um, that's been nice. And uh, some of these tabs are old. Okay, yeah, um, I was gonna ask about, I don't know, the Gravitas or the Bolt. Yeah, uh, the Gravitas was in there for a second uh, before we got MIDI access to the Flint. Mm. And so now the Flint's just running all um, all the tremolo presets. Okay. Uh, the Katana is just a solo boost. It's just... Uh, just gives you a little crunch that the EQ wouldn't. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the bolt is kind of the color box competitor. Usually one is kind of closer to fuzz and the other is closer to like a heavier drive. Um, and, uh, the warped vinyl is doing all of the, uh, chorus duties. That's another pedal kind of similar to, I know it's different, but the deco kind of has that vibe too. Another pedal that has like, uh, What's that? There's a pedal that Zvex has a pedal that uh, does like the lo-fi sound, the right. lo-fi junkie. Right, right, they right. Do that mimic of the old-time stuff. Yeah, the Warp Final is. Um, this is the one that's more chorus-focused than okay. vibrato-focused. They have like, I'm not sure if, off the top of my head if it's MK2, MK1, but this is the chorus-leaning Warp Final. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and. That's what I'm using it for. Another wizard of Chase Bliss. Those guys are Those guys amazing. are incredible. Um, and uh, yeah, in, in this new like MIDI life, um, they are one of the first things I, I look towards. Yeah, they're like a trendsetter when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, James, I can't thank you enough. Bridget, I can't thank her enough. You guys are awesome. Your crew's been great. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, pleasure. Congrats playing the Ryman two nights in a row. It's probably thank been a trip. You. It uh, has indeed been a trip. It is indeed been a trip. It sounds so good in here. Uh, and the audiences have been really great. Yeah. Well, everyone stay safe out there and uh, have a good time. Stay safe out there.